It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey, this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday edition, which is the question and and answer edition, I guess, is the best way to describe that. It's uh, the questions are always really good. The answers, that's more kind of 50-50, but it cannot be done without, uh, I'd say, 90% of our podcast, which would be Mary Langston. Hey, Trey, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, can I beat you to something? Can I say thank you for having me? Oh, man. Yes, you can. I was about to say that. Okay. I just, I've, I've always wanted to say that first before you <laughs> did. So thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Trey, on yours. You're very welcome. And I can't wait to hear what questions are on people's mind. Yes, sir. We have several. Are you ready to get started? I think so. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I hope everyone's having a great week so far. We'll start with our first question, and it's from Carol in Michigan. She writes, does the president really have the power to issue an executive order to forgive student loan debt? If so, does Congress have any power to stop it? Uh, That's a great question. And the reason people don't like lawyers, uh, among other reasons, is because the answer um, is not clear. And so I'll give you kind of all sides of it. I'm not sure it can be done with an executive order. I I think uh, there's this old law called the Higher Education Act. And there are people who read that. And of course, that's a that's a law passed by Congress that gives the secretary of the education um, as delegated to him or her by the president, the power to forgive or absolve certain debts. That's the way some people read that act. It's the the Higher Education Act, I think is the name of that piece of legislation. It's pretty old. And then there are other people who say, no, that's not the proper reading of it. So like most of the rest of the world, there are arguments on both sides of it. Um, And it does kind of remind us of these kind of twin Themes that we deal with from time to time, number one, Congress delegating authority somewhere else, delegating it via this law they passed to the executive branch um, because they either don't have time or the expertise or don't want to be troubled with making the decision themselves. And then the second one of those kind of twin dueling themes we have is lots of stuff winds up in the courts. So if there's a challenge, as to whether or not the president has the power to do it, it'll wind up in court. And then, you know, judges will be interpreting what Congress meant or should have written more explicitly whenever they pass this Higher Education Act. So can he do it? Maybe. Uh, What can Congress do about it? Draft tighter laws that don't leave discretion in the hands of people that you can't control. 
I think the, the, the other really interesting issue is just student loan debt in general. It's a staggering number. The cost of tuition is staggering. I mean, it's been, uh, well, I'm, you know, our daughter went in state. Our son was looking at some schools out of state and he's what, almost 30 now. So this would have been 12 years ago. Uh, the tuition was closing in on $60,000 a year mm-hmm. tuition. That doesn't include like a place to live and stuff to eat. And so the cost of education is staggering. You have private student loans and you have government backed or public student loans. The president nor anyone else, I don't think, has the power to absolve you of a private loan. I mean, I don't think he can absolve you of your bank loan for your home or your car loan for your car. So if you have a private student loan, you're out of luck. If you have a government backed student loan, it's an open question. Can Congress do something about it? They can, but they won't. I think, uh, trying to be fair about it, um, which there's not a huge market for that, but I'm going to keep trying it anyway. I think President Biden's idea is $10,000 per student, and he wants Congress to approve it. Um, I bump in, well, Mary Langston, you're a lot closer to it than I am. I mean, I bump into people with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah, I don't know if you do or not either, but but mm-hmm. you're obviously much closer to college um, than, than I am. But I mean, $10,000 is $10,000. But if you owe $140, it's not going to solve your problems. Um. So he wants Congress to do it. I'm not sure Congress um, can agree on it enough to do it between now and November. And then there are the you know folks like Senator Elizabeth Warren that want him to absolve all the debt that he can absolve. And her approach to life is second grade is free. Tenth grade is free. Higher education should be free, too. So that's kind of what we debate in our political culture is what does government OU, what's government responsible for versus yourself? I, I, my heart breaks for these young people who get out of college or graduate school and they're just saddled with this debilitating debt. I would, I would rather focus on why it costs so much to go to college as opposed to the interest rate or what you have to pay back. I just, I, I don't know how. A year of college can cost you sixty or seventy thousand dollars. I, which I'm not good with math, but if you multiply that by four, you're closing in on three hundred thousand dollars for a degree. So, can he? Uh, maybe will he? He'd rather Congress go along with it. It's a debate that um, kind of encapsulates all the other debates we have, namely, what's the role of government? Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Carol, for your question. She actually has another question for you. And she writes, I'm finishing my 25th year of teaching. I love my students and helping them grow as thinkers and writers. You have teased your new book a few times. So I'm wondering if you could give us a preview. How do I know it's time to leave? And how do I take next steps toward a new career? 
Oh my! A little heavens. tease. Yeah, well, you know, Mary Langston. I mean, I'm, I, my, my my publisher would not be really happy if I laid all that out right this second. Um, That's true. That's true. I will tell you this. I mean, I live with someone who is who is just went through this decision-making process of when is it the right time to leave? And mm-hmm. the book you've referenced, I guess I'll talk about it more than I thought I talked about it. I should stop talking <laughs> about it. Uh, it's a book about when to start something, when to stay where you are, which sounds boring, but that's usually the decision we make most in life is not to change something and then when to leave. And it's hard knowing when to leave, particularly a job that you either currently love or have loved in the past or feel like you have a certain giftedness when it comes to that. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you'll send Mary Langston your address, I'll send you the book when it is when it is out. And that way, my publisher will not go nuts uh, with me for kind of outlining a third of the book on my podcast. Um, it, it's, that was probably the most interesting part of the book to write and keep in mind, I had to leave my dream job, which was in the courtroom. And uh, I'll lay out the reasons why I did that. And I had to leave what was not my dream job, but it's a job that's pretty hard to get, which is in Congress. So I have made the same decision you were going through. And I do lay out the factors. I'll just give you this little one tiny little piece of advice. The fact that you are having this conversation with yourself is good. And it should tell you something. The fact that you're even contemplating, that's kind of what I went through with my wife. The fact that you're even really for the first time in your career asking these questions um, is some evidence of what you should do. But when you leave, you, you you have to start something new. And I know you've heard me say this a million times, Mary Langston, when I'm giving you unsolicited advice, <laughs> don't settle, strive, don't settle. Don't like take a parachute just because it's the first one handy. Um, have a plan for what you want to do next or or, and, you know, and my publisher is going to kill me for going into all of this. You got to know what you're leaving. And I'm, I, I doubt very seriously that's the case with the question being asked here. But sometimes in life, what you're trying to leave, you won't leave just by changing jobs. It's something in yourself that you're trying to change. And that's the one thing you can't ever leave. So I don't think that's the case here, but we go through all that. If you send me your address, I'll send you the book. And um, in the meantime, just reflect on the fact that you're even having this conversation with yourself about whether or not it's time to leave something that you're good at, that you enjoy, that's really important. And that's, you know, maybe the precursor to some evidence of what your decision should be. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Carol, for your questions. We're going to hold it right there. Be back right after this. Jason in the house, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. 
Our next question comes from Eric in Texas. He writes, why is it not possible to extend that non-discrimination requirement that includes free speech, an older fundamental right, and to include private enterprises like Twitter, which has grown so large and widely used in the class of private enterprises and that are public accommodations? Well, that's a great question. The First Amendment applies to government. It doesn't apply to companies. Um, that that's I mean, that that's just the way our country is set up. The, the, the right to free speech says that that government cannot restrict your speech rights, your free exercise rights, your you know, firearms rights that has nothing to do with what private companies can do. I mean, try, try to exercise your First Amendment right at Fox. I mean, show up in New York at Fox Studios, let them know you have a First Amendment right to express yourself and ask them to go on a show and see what happens. Or, you know, you may have a Second Amendment right to self-defense, to keep and bear arms. Not at the airport, you don't. Not at some businesses, you don't. So it's hard, I think, for us to get our heads around, but the you know, the Bill of Rights applies to government, not to private companies. Now, that doesn't mean you're powerless. You don't have to support a company that doesn't. Um, first of all, we got to define what free speech is. I mean, there are you know, there are legal limits on what I cannot like quote the lyrics to a song and claim them as my own. I got to pay royalties. I got to do something. So do I have the right to sing? A U2 song, probably, maybe not in public, not without paying Bono and the rest of them. Do I mean, I don't have the right to defame someone. I don't have the right uh, to yell fire in a crowded movie theater. That's the most common example used. They're, they're, I can't engage in insightful speech. I can't incite people to commit crimes. So there are already limits on what people call free speech. I'm not a huge, I'm, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of accurate speech than I am free speech. I've never understood how it benefits, benefits a culture to have misinformation or disinformation propagated. Never understood it. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm slow, but I, I don't, you know, Mother's Day is Sunday. I just I don't know how. Do I have the right to say it's Wednesday? Probably. Yeah, I guess it's just wrong. So how does that help anybody? So uh, before I go off and put everyone else to sleep, is that you? I hear snoring. That's not, <laughs> not you. this time. Not okay, this time. Not, not, OK. Uh, what is free speech? You got to ask yourself that you got to ask yourself, you know, why those amendments do not apply to private companies. And then, you know, social media is a big deal. It's not so much to me, but it is to most of the rest of the world and especially your generation, Mary Langston. So these companies like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I think what you should insist upon is a clearly laid out set of rules and then those rules to be equally enforced, but they're not going to be enforced by government. 
because you know me I, I i can write a letter to the editor tomorrow for my local newspaper they don't have to print it the wall street journal doesn't have to print my guest editorial nobody has to give me a platform to express my opinion i can go in my front yard and say what i want but nobody has to give me a platform to be able to share that with the rest of the world now i wouldn't want to be on a platform that discriminated based on content, but I got no problems being on a platform that discriminates based on misinformation or disinformation because I don't think that benefits our culture. And then we get into the, you know, what's the line between misinformation, disinformation, and opinion? I mean, I can say the Dallas Cowboys are the best football team in the NFL. There's absolutely no evidence to support that. Man, won the Super Bowl since I don't think since you were born, Mary Langston. So there's no evidence to support that. But do I have do I have the right to say, in my opinion, I think they are? Yeah, I, I guess. So we got we got we got to figure that part of it out. I just I view Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, my story, whatever. Now I'm running out of the names of them because I don't know what any of them are. Those are private companies. I'm not on them. If I were on them, I would expect them to have the same set of rules, regardless of, you know, religious ideation, political orthodoxy. But, you know, I can go to a restaurant tonight that requires me to have on a tie. I can go to a restaurant tonight that requires me to have on shoes. I can go to a restaurant tonight that requires me to have a reservation. Those are private companies and I can choose to, you know, to, to use them or not use them, but they're private. And that's very different from what government can do. Thank you, Trey. And thank you, Eric, for your question. Our last question comes from Matt in South Carolina. He writes, how did you know what type of law to practice? I'm in law school and it's overwhelming. Uh, number one, don't be overwhelmed. Um, number two, don't be overwhelmed. Uh, there's nothing to be overwhelmed about. You just got to you can't do it all. Uh, you cannot practice all types of law. So first thing I would ask you is, what are you good at? And what do you like? And if those two kind of meet one another, then I think you're on your way. There are plenty of things that we may be good at, but we don't like. Like, I think, Mary Langston, from what I hear, you're a good singer. I really, I've never heard you sing because you apparently don't like being the center of attention. So <laughs> I, I would not recommend you being a professional singer. Mm. You're good at it. You just don't like it. Mm. So when I was in law school, I, I didn't, I had no idea what kind of law I was going to practice when I was in law school, none. And anyone who tells you that you should graduate law school and know what kind of law you want to practice has probably never been. Law school teaches you to think critically and I, I knew clerking, I clerked for a judge on the court of appeals, and then I clerked for a trial judge. And it was kind of working for that trial judge that I saw prosecutors for the first time. I don't have a single lawyer in my family. I didn't grow up, not an uncle, not a grandfather, nothing. I had no one that I could go to and say, tell me about this kind of law. I just had to watch it. And I thought what those guys and gals do seems like a great way to make a living. And so I liked it first. I don't know whether I ever got good at it, but I definitely liked it. And I, 
I would not be good at things that involve math or numbers. I'm not good at things that require you to sit for long periods of time and like read and I got attention deficit issues. So I wouldn't be good at that kind of law. Real estate law, high volume. I wouldn't be good at that. Yeah, the courtroom work is kind of like theater. Can you marry your passion with logic and convince people of things? And that's what I settled on. Number one, I loved it. And then I tried to get good at it. But that's what you got to ask yourself first. What do you enjoy? There are a thousand different ways to use your law degree, including not practicing law at all. You don't have to practice law. I got one kid that is and one kid that's not. I got a ton of friends in Spartanburg and other places that have law degrees that couldn't find the courthouse if you had a pack of bloodhounds. But if you want to be a lawyer, what do you enjoy? You like contracts? I mean, I can't imagine anybody like being super crazy about child custody disputes, but some people do practice in that area. Some criminal defense is fascinating in theory. It's not all that fascinating in reality. But that, that's what you got to ask yourself. What do you love and can, are you good at it? And can you become good at it? And if the answer to either of those is no, you got to go find something else. But you should not know what kind of why at the age of 25 would you expect to know what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life? Why? You could change your mind 100 times. Oh, number one, what are you good at? What do you like? That was great advice, Trey. Thank you. For I need to take that. it for myself. I need to find what I'm good at. I, I've, been, you have. I've been on this earth like a half a century and I hadn't figured it out yet. You definitely have. And I know I, the listeners would agree on that. I I don't know. I, I think I should have been a performer. <laughs> I should be the singer. Or a rapper or something. I cannot sing. Um, you could rap. <laughs> at all. I, don't, I think I'm a little old for that. My, <laughs> my parents made me take the violin and they made me take the piano. I do wonder if they'd let me take guitar or drums. I'd probably be in one of those aging rock groups, you know, <laughs> touring again. Mm -hmm. uh, preferably with a team of physicians, because at our age, we need to be constantly surrounded by physicians. <laughs> no, but my parents were probably smart to not let me. Well, they were smart not to let me play the drums for a lot of reasons, because uh, it would have <laughs> kept them up. But I don't know. We get one shot at it, but mm -hmm. you can do a thousand different things. You major in English, right, Mary Langston? Yes, sir. I did. So you major in English. And even at your tender young age, you've already worked in Washington, you've worked in not profit, you work in television, you work in podcast, and you're like still a kid. So Ooh. you got all this life ahead of you. You could you could you can do a thousand different things. But I, I don't know why you would do them if you don't love them. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing we got to figure out. Um, that's good advice. What do you like and are you good at it? Or can you become good at it? Mm. And that's where a lot of us are. We might not currently be good at it, but we have some proclivity to get good at it. What's really frustrating is when you want to do something that you're just never, ever, ever going to be good at. 
it is frustrating, but I mean, we've all been there. Basketball is my favorite sport. There's not a chance in the world I was ever going to play basketball. Not a chance in the world. But mm-hmm. I loved it, so I had to settle for golf. Mm-hmm. All right, that's about all the advice. I mean, why would anybody take advice from somebody who's like sitting in a little house in Spartanburg mm, with, with like, with like no, nothing nothing going on in life? But I'm but I'm glad people ask me questions. <laughs> I don't know about nothing going on, but it's very sweet that you answered that and Matt asked it. All right. Well, we'll keep them coming. You keep sending Mary Langston. And please, I think it was Carol, if my memory is correct, that asked us the first question. Yes, sir. Just in the second one. Yeah, the first and second. The one that really got my attention is she's really asking me a great question, which is how do you how do you know when it's time to leave? Um, I can just hear my publisher you know, calling their legal department right now saying <laughs> you better not answer that question before your book comes out. But I want to send her a copy of the book. And, you know, to the extent she's got to make her mind up before the book comes out, then I would ask myself, Carol, why am I, why is, when did this first start creeping into my mind and why, mm-hmm. you know, in my household, I think it began creeping in Terry's mind because I kept creeping it into her mind asking her why she was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, working till 7, falling asleep in her chair. I mean, there just there comes a station in life where you want to do other things. You want to travel. You want to – you just want to do other things. So mm-hmm. knowing when to leave is one of, the, one of the more difficult questions in all of life, and um, I've done it a lot. I've done it for the right reasons, and I've done it for the wrong reasons. So mm-hmm. – writing a book on how not to make the same mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll see you next Thursday, Mary Links. That sounds great. And we'll be in touch with Carol. That sounds great. All right. That sounds fantastic. Thank you all. Hope you all have a great week and keep your questions coming. Take care. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcast or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.